Welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where myself, Josh Heron, Christopher Munden, and John Rosenberg read every play and musical that has won a Pulitzer Prize since 1918, so you don't have to, or perhaps so you'll join us along and read as well. Uh, as I said, my name is Josh Heron. I am a third grade teacher, theater writer, dog enthusiast. Uh, <laughs> I I'm joined by uh, your fan, <laughs> soccer fan, uh, man about town, Christopher Munden. Hello. <laughs> and the always farming, uh, John Rosenberg. Hello. <laughs> Today, we are going to be talking about 1933's play. Both Your Houses by Maxwell Anderson. I thought actually today, and I, sorry, before the podcast started, I was, we were talking about format and if we wanted to change anything and I was like, no, let's go, go for it. But um, we have started to talk about predictions um, and I wanted to, our predictions were pretty good. Um, so I'm gonna try to remind us, I know mine. I don't know if you remember yours. I don't. So mine was that Both Your Houses was about two rival theater troops putting on Romeo and Juliet <laughs> during the Spanish flu. And they were gonna have to like combine both their houses <laughs> to put a full production on. I was wrong. Uh, Chris, do you remember what your prediction was? It was a love story. Wrong. Like, maybe the first play that's like not a love story at all. I mean, there's, there's some love in it, kind of, right? Maybe. Squint and you miss it. And John, you don't remember your prediction. I don't, but I like the treatment of houses. <laughs> oh, that's right. right. Yes. <laughs> so we were right. all wrong. Um, Very wrong. Who, we who was no the hints. longest? <laughs> I think we all. The love story. I, mean, I think you and me were sort of like both pretty wrong. Um, uh, John, do you want to fill us in on if the houses aren't getting treated for? aren't flea treatment, and they're not the houses in Romeo and Juliet or theater houses, what are the houses in both your houses? Uh, the houses are the houses of Congress, and this is a story of a idealistic young man um, elected to Congress, and he soon finds uh, Congress to be what he didn't think it was to be, and he goes on a crusade to stop corruption and greed and avarice that uh, rule the houses. Specifically, this young congressman, I think just named Alan? Um, Alan McLean. Oh, McLean, thank you. Um, is part of the um, Senate? It seems like no, he's, he's part, part of the House. The house. The house. I thought Congress, yeah. Yeah, yeah so he, I guess he's he's a, on the, that would make sense because appropriations have to start in the House. So he's part of the House Appropriations Committee. And uh, the whole play takes place about passing this one appropriations bill that's uh, to fund a dam in Nevada, which is where this new idealistic congressman is from. Um, but along the way to fund this dam in Nevada that maybe would require, I think, 
$40 million is the bloated estimate. Um, over the course of time, they've attached about $400 million of sort of pork barrel spending to this to fund things like nurses bureaus, which sound great actually, but also ridiculous things like landing a Navy ship on one set on one Congress persons like, like, I don't know, Mar-a-Lago estate. Imagine that. <laughs> um, found that actually pretty prescient. And uh, this, to the dismay of this Senate, of this uh, young politician, tries to figure out a way to stop the madness um, and the bloat of a corrupt government full of career politicians just and his solution is to instead of cut any of this is to just put as much as many earmarks into the bill as possible so that people will realize that it's way too bloated it's like half a billion dollars then and no one will want to support it because the bill is way too big but instead that's the bill that passes yeah, it's uh, it's sort of like the producers. Like now that you describe it that way, it's like we have like let's make a show so offensive it will fail. Like let's make a bill that's so offensively full of uh, earmarked pork barrel spending that it can't pass. And again, I think it was interesting that it's uh, it's taking place. It's a 1933 prize, so it's uh, 1932. Um, part of the Great Depression before FDR is elected um, and the policies that the government at the time does have, Hoover's government is pretty restrictive in terms of spending. He has like a huge tariff act. He has, um, he raises taxes and he refuses to like spend a lot. Um, and even FDR doesn't spend as much as like Keynesian economics would require. So it was kind of interesting that they have this this bill and that their big focus is spending is the earmarks, is the pork barrel, where, when that's really maybe what the country needed back then. Yeah, like do you think this was like, was this like a critique of the New Deal? Well, it's pre-New Deal. No, um, I, but yeah, but yeah, I, I think it definitely was a critique of, even though it's kind of talking about corruption and all these politicians lining their pockets. To me, how it reads is that government spending is all all government spending. No matter what happens, it'll be corrupt. It's terrible, and the young man that's presented is. I didn't like him and his politics made me uncomfortable. Well, his, he does say at the end, if we don't, if we don't clean up the politics, then we're going to have stuff like socialism and fascism. And we need to, we need to have good, honest politics in this country so that we don't drift towards um, socialism or fascism, which he has seen happen in other countries, I guess. Yeah, it seems interesting. Government crisis right then, which we know where that goes. I mean, I think of it as like a very different time, right? Or like the idea that like honest politics is this one without an ideology. Well, and that like yeah, and so that he's not into like politics with an ideology. He's not a socialist or a fascist. 
progressive maybe that's compared to Lafayette. And that, they were Republican progressives then. And uh, and William Jennings Bryan, he gets called. Um, but it's interesting. He's a his progressive platform is like austerity. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I think there was something dangerous about like what Maxwell Anderson. I don't know what his politics were, but I think set aside that how the play is structured and how it's presented is he really holds this young man and his politics up as something heroic and he does we get you know the the opposition the like um incumbent congress people they're not presented as like smoking room evil people they all have their sympathetic side i thought like gray um whose daughter Ellen is dating the daughter of the head of the appropriations committee right was that like super clear to you that I thought so. Yeah, I thought so. But like, um, it felt to me like it was like, oh wait, like it felt like he was under some task, like some, like he lost a bet and he had to write a play <laughs> where there was like clear, like the task was there has to be a romantic scenario in your play that has stakes, but you can't ever I mean, directly address yeah. it. Like it it brings like, human interest to it. You watch like uh, ER. Never, actually, I don't watch was, any of these, but like West Wing and ER, and like well, when this it feels is very. Like, I I think this play feels very West Wing. Yeah, it could be. It's almost Sorkin. Right, but to me, the difference between like ER or uh, or West Wing and all those set aside the politics. There's an art to the storytelling, and to me, I didn't find any art in this. Like it was very. Yeah. No, I found it very, very heavy-handed, and it's just didactic. yeah, it was it was just very heavy and very forceful, and for I think like the point it was trying to prove, I understood, but there was no life to it. There was no there was no human. There's nothing about humans in it to me. I don't know if I found that. I mean, um, you know, I, I was saying like Gray, he is ties to a bank that if this bill doesn't pass, he's going to um, go to jail, basically. Um, another congressperson, Saul, he, he's the one who has the, uh, the Navy on his land. He's an old guy, a former idealistic congressman who's now like, you know, just there to play the game. I thought they were they were drawn characters. To me, it did feel like maybe an elongated but single episode of a political drama. I, I mean, I maybe saw one episode of The West Wing, so I can't really say, but it felt like an episode of The West Wing. Certainly, but I think the difference to me is like, I get what you're saying that like these politicians had things at stake that gave them like pressure to exist as characters, mm-hmm. but... I didn't give a fuck after a while. Like the the machinations of the politics, because it was so sleazy and dirty, like in this young heroic man coming to clean things up and he uh, investigated his own uh, election or whatever. Like it, it was an interesting idea, but it was so like forceful. It Yeah, it lost me so early. I was just like, fuck this play, fuck this guy. 
that is very I can appreciate that. I, I think I was like attracted to the political machinations. I thought when they were introducing him as like someone who investigated his own like I thought he was gonna be sort of like the butt of the joke. Um Right. And when he wasn't it was like, oh uh I sort of I love that character Saul though. So I was saying to John before this started that I and I'm wondering, like it doesn't and I don't know, I don't feel like most of the characters had like the characters all have like a trait. Mm-hmm. But they're not like particularly well drawn characters. Like no one in it like this isn't this isn't a character play. It's like a plot play. No. Um, no. It's like you know, and I wonder how much research was done into it because it is one of those things where I feel like someone could go see it and feel like, oh, now I know how the government works. Um, yeah, I, I wonder too. It, I, I mean, I was fascinated by it for that, but I, it could also have just been like his imagination of how that, that works. It did feel like, excuse me, I'm going to break into a song for a second. It did feel like someone was like, oh, I wonder what it would be like in the room where it happens. The room, where it happens, it? the room where it happens. No, what one else in the that? room where it happens. The room where it happens. The room where it happens. No one knows how the game is played. The na, 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 and the room where it happens. Is that Hamilton? Yeah, it is. Oh. Boom. Um, great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen, I don't know. Do you ever see In the Thick of It? It's a, guy who wrote um, Veep. He also did uh, Death of Stalin, the movie. It's a really good recent movie. Just um, Iannucci, something like that. And also, what am I thinking? Um, uh, Yeah, I know you're talking about. He did the thing about Iraq. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I've seen much better political dramas, I will say. But it still felt like like as good as a TV episode of one, perhaps to me. And I found it interesting. What, I think may it, I ask, what did you find interesting, you know, about the I political machinations? The, what interested you regarding them? I mean, it did feel something like an inside look. You kind of knew what was going to happen after the first act. You knew that stuffing that bill was going to do it, but it was still kind of like the wheeling and dealing to like, um, the inevitable tragedy of politics um, and like the the interplay the, uh, the interplay between the characters the like vote seeking it felt like um, you know old, old politics maybe um, pre 2000 pre like super partisan politics I mean but that's I think the other thing is like yeah, they're super pat. Like, yeah, like it's corporate interest, but it also like in the realm of like I guess from twenty twenty, right? From the realm mm-hmm. of like how awful things can be. Like the things that they're funding in a time of like unemployment all feel like like I I didn't feel like a tragic end. It felt like I guess it's maybe no. like it's a play with very little stakes because like it like to us, yeah. Oh, I mean, and and I think at the time, because there are much deeper issues that caused the Great Depression that like people are facing during the Great Depression, and to say all we need is good, honest government and everything will be great was like really shallow view. And so like 
it's a strange time for this political drama to be but I, I mean I, I will say that like I definitely feel like anything could be good anything could be bad you know what I mean you can have just like a straight up political play that isn't really focused on the lives of the characters but the machinations of the politics but to me like how the storytelling was structured like was garbage to me but like, I mean, how much like character do you get in an episode of ER or an episode of Westworld? No, no, no. no. I, I think well, I think what I'm trying to. Is, I'm I not, don't know, not, to be honest. But yeah, I'm not trying to defend. I don't think that ER much. or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is like how like he's so protective of McLean or whatever, and the like the pun of the name is like get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But like. Yeah, I just goes to Washington or what's that movie? Right, but it's like a very conservative. Like I, I, I don't know. Conservative. It's well, incredibly no, conservative. Yeah. I mean, a, it's. A, yeah. I was going to say like the history of earmarks. It, they were like they did get overblown. I mean, it's obviously an issue. Then it was an issue for decades and decades. And we have like an earmark moratorium now, which was like a, a love child, a uh, something that the Tea Party pushed through. Oh dear. Like but what was the... And earmarks. What was so, the... What's the dam in Nevada though? What would Dan I mean, I guess it's... About? I don't know. It's not the specific. Hoover the Hoover it's Dam. The Hoover Dam does happen. Right? I thought that was an FDR WPA project, but maybe it was talked about for years before that. Right, but I guess I think of like all the, you know, the Tennessee Valley Authority, all, all the big- That was that time too, wasn't it? Yeah, but if you look at all the big public works things that did occur, I'm sure there was a lot of terrible shit attached to it to get it made. But like, I think, right. I, I just didn't care for the, how he told the story, um, I just thought it wasn't very good. Okay. It was, excuse me, uh, a bit of Wikipedia research here. Okay. <laughs> the Hoover Dam is a concrete arch gravity dam in the Black Colorado <laughs> River on the border between the U.S. state of Nevada and Arizona. It was constructed during 1931 mm. and 1936 during the Great Depression. I was dedicated on September 30th, 1935 by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Its construction was the result of a massive effort involving thousands of workers and cost over 100 lives. Originally known as Boulder Dam from 1933, it was officially renamed Hoover Dam for President Hoover, Herbert Hoover by a joint resolution of Congress in 1947. Of course it was begun under Hoover, like, yes. <laughs> and it cost $49 million. <laughs> it cost how much? $49 million was the 1931 budget. Yeah, I, so I, do, million, that's right. I do find it interesting that you get plays like this that um, kind of use, you know, Josh, you had mentioned the, the idea of like the 1930s is the decade of institutions with these plays, right? Well, this sort of brings us to a point that I was thinking about, which is that and it seems like 1920s was sort of the like decade of like marriage um, and family and relationships. Like all the plays sort of like came back to that. It seems like the 30s are doing a pivot um, 
you can even think about like Green Pastures about religion and uh, Allison's Room about like art and poetry. I, I think that works less well. And the last two plays are about uh, politics and next week's play, spoiler alert, will be about like doctors and medicine, but like we're focusing more on institutions and power um, rather than like the family unit. Um, and I think that's like an interesting like transition that's happening right now in terms of what the Pulitzer is awarding. Well, I, I think the, the thing I was thinking about is like you get like of the icing and you get this one that kind of takes politics to task or they kind of lampoon, aren't they all buffoons or yeah. there's nothing specific to reality that actually makes things uncomfortable. There's like, there's a lack of truth about, they make references to like the depression or, but like, to me, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I might be completely wrong, but I feel like they traffic in talking about politics without viewing what the reality was happening to people or of the parties or anything. That's definitely true. They don't even mention what the parties are. Um, well, and I feel like the, I feel like they do that in movies too, where yeah. like examinations of politics, but they don't they they're they're just politicians. They don't say what party they are. Well, I haven't like, seen like the new John Stewart movie, but I get the feeling that's kind of like that, like condemning the ridiculousness of politics without like no no. It, it, I think he's a lot more specific, like the ways Democrats are stupid and the way Republicans are stupid and like the equally terrible, like corporate politics stuff. But like, I think the the problem I had with this play is like, he doesn't really examine the, uh, whether if McLean is right or not, or like the, there's no examination of the politics to me. It's just like, a new man in town, everyone else is terrible. Yeah, it, it was just fucking boring to me. Well, it's, anti, it's like anti-institutional without like an inherent political ethic of its own, right? So it's like, yeah. it's like the system is fucked. It's like I mean, how teenager is, right? It's like the system is fucked and you're like, uh, <laughs> like well, what's like, okay. I'm, I mean, I, I will say it's boring. I, I realize it's boring to hear me talk about why this play is, is garbage. Like, who wants to hear that? But I think it would be interesting to hear from you guys what you did enjoy about it, you know? I, mean, I, think, I, I, I think I tend to enjoy, I mean, I, I, like, I think in the ways that, it, like, the good, um, the ways that West Wing or The Good Wife or ER, like, scratch an itch, like, I think just watching things happen, mm-hmm. um, watching, I think, for a certain type of person, and I think that person is uh, Chris and myself, I think watching procedures happen and watching systems work is like interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they don't work well or work whatever, I think it's, it is always uh, to feel like you're getting a look behind the curtain is always in some ways satisfying. Um, yeah. And, you know, compared to the I think it's like much more realistic. Um, yeah. I think I was voicing similar problems about of the I sing last week and and you really liked that play because oh sorry to me uh the difference is of the I sing didn't t- didn't take itself fucking serious like it knew 
I thought for a second maybe this play wouldn't with the fact that the young politician investigated his own election. I thought maybe it was going to go a different direction. But of the icing, I mean, the moment they held the contest in Atlantic City for the first, for the first lady, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this thing, it's like, I don't know what you call it, a satire or a lampoon or whatever. But like, I found it more interesting and fun to watch than this, which is like fake backroom tough guy bullshit. But yeah, again, I mean, the ice scene was definitely more fun, but like maybe the humor of it is even more like harmful in a way. This was at least like, it was at least like serious about politics in a way. There were a lot of contemporary references. I mean, there was, uh, I don't know if someone lost at me. I, uh, on me, I, I picked up on a lot, but it was talking about American politics of the time and of the the previous 50 years. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was a time, it was like a Sorkin-esque like, political drama, and it was a time capsule to me. I mean, I, maybe I'm like, because you think it's so terrible, and um arguing for it more than I actually liked it because it's not a very good play. It's like a <laughs> mediocre episode of West Wing, which is fine. But, well, but I think uh, West Wing benefits from it being episodic, right? Like, I think if this was an episode of something and we got to see these people develop more and more and more, like, TV has the benefit of, like, it can be sort of plotty and shallow and, like, character depth will inherently just sort of happen. In a play, you have, like, Two hours to like give us a world, but it did. Surely. This plays longer than two hours, though, right? Mm. I don't no, know. That's that. But you also get like Nothing. weird. You also get like, in a way, it also sort of felt like a pilot, and that you mm-hmm. got um, storylines that didn't actually matter or resolve. Like in the early part of the like, there was the like the someone lost their job to like the hot secretary who's like <laughs> dumb and bad at her job. We never meet and is inconsequential. And that's just there to like, add. Well, it sets it up because she then gets hired by McLean. It's not like, I, I think that's like weirdly lazy writing. Um, oh. Like, I don't really know what that does for us. I also take issue with the fact that her name is Bussy. Uh, <laughs> I find that maybe she's French. <laughs> Bus, bus. Um, that was one thing about this play um, was the female secretaries, and that especially Bussy, uh, she's the one who does a lot of the wielding of power and a yeah. lot of the wielding and dealing in Congress and. And there is talk in the play about, like, back in the day, you wouldn't have had women in the office, so. No, I thought that, that was, was a, I think, the, I think the, the play does, I think the women are, like, uh, equally well-drawn or not well-drawn, but they're certainly not worse drawn than the male characters, and I think that they do hold a lot of power. Um, maybe that's actually a directing angle, to, like, sort of see it from their point of view as like this like fucked up men's club that like they're clearly the ones running the show. Even the female 
like the nurses bureau is the one thing that's like clearly not that's uh, proposed by the female politician right like i wonder if, if you perspective if you like perspective from that angle um even the blowhard like new idealist guy is like not doing anything for anyone except just blowing the system who would you be chris um Saul is my favorite. Yeah, Saul's really good. Um, yeah. Right. I guess we're meant to see ourselves as McLean, but he's not like that sympathetic of a character. You don't like, you do kind of think he's an idiot. Or I do. Why do you feel like he was an idiot? Because his plan doesn't work, and then he gives that like sanctimonious speech, and I mean he is kind of at the end, isn't he? Kind of thinking about just selling out and playing the game as a power broker. I feel like the story itself is so fascinating of like going from idealism to like that change from one state to another, but like. Um, the machinations of it to me overtook the watching someone go through this. Well, I almost think like, it depends on what he was trying to do. Cause I'm not like into like making this play something it's not, but if the play is about how government can corrupt you, like, I think it'd be much more interesting to see the same, like an appropriations bill in three acts over like three different terms. Right. Mm -hmm. Huh. Right. Like to see Saul, to see Saul's career, right, or to see Alan mm -hmm. go from being Alan to being a Saul, or like, yeah, um, or something else. Like, and maybe that's like been done, or I don't know. But um, I think the fact that it's 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 hyper focused on yeah. That's why it almost feels like an episode of a TV show because it's like it happens in a week about a single appropriations bill. It's like that's a long fucking episode. <laughs> you would cut some, maybe it'd be a two-parter. I don't know. I gotta say, I think I think that's a very interesting structure that you're talking about, Josh. With like, if you do sessions of Congress and like changes in a person over, I've never seen that. Like. I mean, the thing I automatically think of is like the distinguished gentleman, which is like the opposite of this one, you know, with Eddie Murphy. Um, no, I always like the the short time. There's a uh, English, I think it was a play before it was a movie, The Deal, about um, meeting between Gordon Brown and Tony Blair, um, <laughs> and their like machinations and and dealings. Blair becomes prime minister. I remember that being pretty short focused. And I mean, I think you would love The Good Wife if you haven't watched. If you want to see like lawyers being law good at what they do, I, which I feel like which I call competency porn. But to bring it back to me, I, <laughs> I would be bussy. I'm telling you, man, you have a very interesting structure for a play over three sessions of Congress. I'm telling you, man, that's like. That's a that's a very interesting structure. Maybe it'll that's be a, maybe that's actually the plot of the mythical play that I cut from talking about last week. Take a left. Um, 
but not to harp on it, I swear to God, that's a really good structure. It's not easy to come up with clean structures like that. That's a clean structure. Clean. Clean. Uh, who are you going to be, John? I'm going to be the curtain that's fucking... <laughs> I'm going to be the curtain that closes at the end. <laughs> to be like, the, to, I think, so think about like directorial vision. So I mean, did you look up production history? I can't imagine this is done ever. It was really... No, it was... Yeah. It was done in the 90s. I saw a review, but um, I don't think anything super recently. I would love, a, or not love, I think an interesting challenge um, if you want to work against the text in a major way is mm. to direct, direct this play from the point of view where you can like identify how harmful Alan's austerity measures are, <laughs> where like Saul is the protagonist. Um, I don't know how one does that, but there are. I mean, they were a lot of like bridges to nowhere among the EMOX, the pork belly spending. All those pork, is there any good nurses? I I approve. I mean, they're presented as like the Navy's going to stay somewhere it doesn't have to. The the dam doesn't need this much money. The nurses' uniforms are already paid for. Like it's all like. All of this stuff is nice. It's going to employ people, but it's somewhat unnecessary. Although it's uh, in the debate of its time, you know, uh, nowadays like you look at 2008 and you know if it was Obama or if it was still Bush, that big like, $100 billion stimulus, like that's the first thing you do. You look at the current um, economic slow down and we had the like um stimulus checks we have all of the money to trump's cronies but that's like the first thing you do is like is deficit spending and that was really something that they didn't do in the great depression and that's why it lasted 10 years perhaps even fdr was unwilling to spend to rack up a huge debt he um he like cut public service um, salaries. He raised taxes. Yeah, so you needed like some some real deficit spending, and they didn't do it then. So it's an interesting play when you consider that. Fuck this play. <laughs> um, so next week we're reading um, Men in White. Um, John actually read it already. So it's fucking fantastic, man. I'm telling you, it's fucking great. <laughs> Are you trolling it? No, man. I'm telling you, I was, dude, this thing pays off like a motherfucker. I loved it. <laughs> so my, so I know it's about doctors, but men in white, it reminds me of men in black. So I'm wondering if, it's about a do like a funny duo who have like a, a secret <laughs> a la Tommy Lee Jones and Will I think it's basically an episode of uh, ER and there's like a George Clooney stand-in. Mm. Well, on that note, uh, I can't wait to read this play that John loves. Fuck yeah, man. I'm going to read it again. Awesome. All right. <laughs> George Clooney. <laughs> uh, say goodnight, folks. Goodnight, folks. Goodnight, folks. I'm
Life is 